everyone, and welcome once again to Bible Stories for Snarky People. I'm Sarah. And I'm Josh. And this... is a gong. Why do we have a gong? I kind of want to hit it. Oh, of course. Sure. Go ahead. That's such a cool sound! Where did we get this gong? Why do we have a gong? Well, we're going to use it as a feature in this episode. I'm pretty sure gongs are, like, really expensive and our show doesn't make any money. How can we afford such a beautiful gong? Well, we don't want to bore our listeners with budget spreadsheets, so don't worry about that. I mean, the Bible can sometimes get boring enough, and that's the point of this gong. Huh? Back in the 1970s, there was a TV show called The Gong Show, where people would perform something entertaining, but the moment one of the celebrity judges thought the act was terrible or boring and needed to stop, they would strike a giant gong and send the performers away. That's why this gong is here. Whenever the story starts to lag or you get downright sleepy, strike the gong and I'll skip ahead to something more interesting. Ooh, this is going to be fun. (laughs) Okay, now remember, don't just strike it any time. Strike it only when you feel your attention start to slip, when the story starts to bore you. Then I'll skip ahead. Okay, have you got it out of your system? Yeah. Good, because we're still working our way through the book of Genesis. Here we go. The book of Genesis, chapter 13. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot went with him into the Negeb. Wait, Lot is here? He didn't get mentioned at all in the last chapter. Was he with them then? I thought Abram and Sarai were the main characters. Why does he keep getting mentioned? Lot will show up in today's episode more than usual. As for where he was in the last episode, I don't know. Maybe he didn't have a lot to contribute in Uh, Egypt. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Right, the Pharaoh gave him all that stuff in the last chapter. He journeyed on by stages from the Negeb as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them living together. For their possessions were so great that they could not live together, and there was strife between the herders of Abram's livestock and the herders of Lot's livestock. How many people are these guys in charge of? Yeah, apparently enough that their cattle are overgrazing the land, and their servants are getting possessive and arguing with one another. We're trying to start our religion! We don't have time for petty arguments! At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites lived in the land. Duh! They're in Canaan, and apparently that's near Pizzazz. Paris? Paris? Are there Parisians? No, Parasites. Parasites? No, Parasites. I don't know what you're saying. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herders and my herders, for we are kindred. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. 
Lot looked about him and saw that the plain of the Jordan was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Spoilers! So Lot chose for himself all the plain of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastwards. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the plain and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely not going to come into play later. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Raise your eyes now, and look from the place where you are, northwards, and southwards, and eastwards, and westwards, for all the land that you see, I will... Hey, wait, why did you gong me? I sort of forgot about the gong until just this moment, and I was a little bored, so... Okay, what was boring you? The northwards and southwards and east. Yeah, okay. You wish God would just get to the point? Yeah. Okay, God's point is that all the land of Canaan will belong to Abram's descendants, and there will be as many of them as there are grains of dust on the earth. Ah, now that sounds familiar. Right. God keeps promising Abram things. Already, Abram is really rich. Mm -hmm. And once again, God promises that he's going to have a bunch of children. So, we'll skip to the next chapter. The Book of Genesis, Chapter 14 In the days of King Amraphel of Shinar, King Arioch of Elisar, King Chedorlaomer of Elam, and King Tidal of Goyim, these kings made war with King Bera of Sodom, King... Okay, I don't blame you for that one bit. How many more names are there? About 20. The point is that five kings make war against four other kings, and some of the king's armies drown in the local tar pits as they're running away from the battle. Wait, that part sounds exciting! Too bad, you gonged me. But the city of Sodom is involved in the battle, and Lot gets captured as a prisoner of war along with all his stuff. Oh no! Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and of Aner. These were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his nephew had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them. Excuse me, what? And went in pursuit as far as Dan. Why does Abram have his own private army? He divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and routed them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the goods, and also brought back his nephew Lot with his goods, and the women, and the people. So this one dude somehow has enough people that he can mount a full-on attack or... Raid, I'm not really sure what the full scale of this operation is. Well, I don't think he can take on several kings and their armies, but he can at least mount a successful rescue mission. But where did these people come from? We heard that Abram and Sarai left Egypt with a bunch of riches, but that included servants and slaves. Right, people's property. It sounds like they're really loyal to Abram and are willing to fight on his behalf. It still seems remarkable that he has an army of over 300 people. After his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him. Wait, what if this is important? 
Well, how am I supposed to know if it's important? Well, that's the risk of gonging something. You don't really know what you're missing. But in this case, I'll tell you, the king of Sodom is really grateful to Abram for rescuing Lot and the other people. But there really is something here that we should read and talk about. Fine. And King Melchizedek of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. I thought Judaism started with Abram and Sarai. There were people already worshipping God? An excellent, highly perceptive question. Who is this Melchizedek? His name means King of Justice. Pretty cool name to have. The King of Sodom has just met Abram in a place called Salem. Oregon? Oregon, yes, in the Valley of Willamette. Go bear cats. Oh, stop. The name Salem is short for a different place name. Uh, that place where all the witch trials happened? Uh, that's another Salem, yes, but keep going back in time and geography. Salem is the last five letters of what famous place? What, am I on Jeopardy now? Jerusalem. Oh. Melchizedek is the king of Jerusalem. I did not think Jerusalem existed yet. This is the very first mention of it in the Bible, and it's a tiny little town. Jerusalem? Tiny? That does not compute in my brain. And they have a king? Yes. In this time, a king really meant the leader of a small tribe of people who are just trying to carve out a place for themselves in a hostile world. Wait, so Abram could actually be considered a king? Yeah, I guess so, though he's never called that. Anyway, Melchizedek receives these visitors. And to answer your question about worshiping God, we go on. Melchizedek blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, maker of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him one-tenth of everything. That's a lot. Everything in the world or just everything owned by him? I think you can deduce the answer, silly person. Okay, giving one-tenth is called a tithe. Oh, uh, that's what we give to the church. Right. The tradition goes all the way back to this passage. The idea is that in gratitude for God providing everything you need, you give back one-tenth right off the top, trusting that with nine-tenths you'll still have plenty, and God will do good things with the tenth that you gave away. That's a fun little origin story. And we should also talk about this Most High God. In Hebrew, it's El Elyon. Double L. Yes. Like we said in the last chapter, L is one of the oldest names on earth for any divine being. I think I read a fantasy book once where the kingdom was called Elyon, and it might have been named after a god. I don't really remember, though. Well, maybe the author took the name from here, and you just didn't know it yet. Anyway, you're right that Judaism hasn't really started quite yet. Maybe Melchizedek gives Abram a deeper understanding of this God who's making all these promises to him. It's not like God didn't exist before now. It's just that Abram is now coming to know more about God. That makes sense. Christian readers of the Bible will hear about Melchizedek again, but not until the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament. That author will say that Jesus is a priest like Melchizedek was a priest, a priest from a time before Judaism. That means that God, from whom Jesus comes, is bigger than just the Israelites. God for the whole world. Whoa, interesting. Then the king of Sodom said to Abram, 
Give me the people, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord, God most high, maker of heaven and earth, Melchizedek's God, that I would not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours, so that you might not say, I have made Abram rich. The guy is rich already. Mm-hmm. Uh, g- give me that drumstick. There was only one sentence left. Too bad. Next chapter. The Book of Genesis, Chapter 15 After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Who? And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. Oh, lucky slave. He's going to get really rich when Abram dies and not be a slave anymore, probably. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. Oh, unlucky slave, he's not going to get rich after all, and will probably be a slave for life. Thanks, God. He brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. It's good that God isn't making that promise nowadays. With all the light pollution near our cities, Abram would look up and say, Eight stars? Pretty good. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Turtle doves do not have age requirements. He brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. I fail to see how this is helping. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. Is this darkness supposed to be God? We don't usually think of God's presence as darkness, do we? More fuel for my darkness isn't always evil agenda! Then the Lord said to Abram, Know this for certain that your offspring shall be aliens in a land that is not theirs, and shall be slaves there, and they shall be oppressed for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. Spoiler! Why not just give Abram the whole book of Exodus while you're at it? As for yourself, you shall go to your ancestors in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Huh? I'm not really sure what that's about. I think it's more spoilers. The Amorites are one of the tribes in Canaan, and the Israelites will return from Egypt and conquer them 400 years from now. Okay. Can I gong this? Wait, hang on. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. What? A cauldron and a torch are just 
floating around these mutilated animals in the middle of the night? I think the idea is that Abram is sacrificing these animals to make a covenant with God. And God is sending this weird confirmation of the deal. All right, then. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I give this land. From the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the... And a whole bunch more tribes. The end. Hey, that was actually pretty good timing for a gong. And we've taken a lot of time with these three chapters. Some of this might not seem important, but we promise it's all going somewhere. Are you sure the prisoner of war subplot is going somewhere? Yes, it's going back to Sodom. We've had spoilers. Something's about to go down. But first, in the next episode, Judaism begins because Abram gets snipped. What? Intrigued? Yes, and slightly scared. Then tune in next time to Bible Stories for Snarky People. Bye!